You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Okay, all you SOBs better sit down now. I've heard that I need to explain what that term means. Ed knew if you could stand up. That's an SOB right there, all right? And, and every, okay, I still need to explain it. SOBs is our ministry to the slightly older bunch at River City Church. SOB, slightly older bunch, okay? So I wasn't calling everybody an SOB who's not involved with children's ministry. Are you SOBs in there? Sign up for a children's ministry. I didn't mean it to come across like that because we all know that there are some SOBs that are not slightly older in our church, okay? I'm just saying. Some people would call me that. But anyway. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that. I had like 10 people during the break. So I'm, you got to come out and define what SOB is. There's people hemorrhaging from their heart, getting ready to run out of the doors. If that offended you to the point where you want to leave, you might want to leave now. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's the first opportunity I've had to talk and, uh, since I've been on vacation. And in some ways, I have, I've been studying a lot, been reading a lot about God's love and stu- continuing to study the Song of Solomon and what does it mean to be loved by God? And I was excited to kind of launch into that for the next few weeks. But um, I forgot about this service we were having to kick off the children's ministry. And so I've had to adjust a little bit. As I put this talk together, there's a real burden on my heart that God has really given me um, to emphasize and to really draw light to this reality of the people that God's called into our body. He's calling us to raise up. He's calling us to lead. He's calling us to mentor, to love, and to serve. And, uh, and a lot of times, you know, it's easy when we begin to talk about these things to allow either our guilt to motivate us to sign up for these things because we're not already, or maybe um, it's, it's uh, pressure that we feel. Uh, a lot of times, I believe it's the enemy kind of tricks us into signing up for things that God's not calling us to. And um, today, as I talk about this, and the language that I use, please hear me say this. Please know this. That I'm not, I'm not going to try to guilt you into signing up to lead a high school group or a middle school group. I'm not trying to, you know, to convince you or to work you into a position in the children's ministry here on Sundays. Um, I'm going to communicate the need that we have. But I'm also going to communicate the blessing that comes when we sacrifice, when we are obedient and we sacrifice for the Lord and the ministry that God has called us to. And like I said earlier, I don't think that there is a greater ministry that you could be involved with at our church than our children's ministry and our youth ministry. And in terms of, and there's a lot of reasons for that. There's a lot of reasons for that. And I'll I'll talk about some of those. But, I mean, in my own life, before I led the church, I did youth ministry for 15 years. Everything I learned about leading, everything I learned about sacrifice, about missions, about loving about, you know, the Bible, about studying the Bible, about walking with people in life, about walking with people through hard things in life. I learned from ministering to middle schoolers and high schoolers, just showing up. You know, it's easy, and it's even, in some ways, to be involved with ministries that we still, that we stay in control of. And what I mean by that is that if you're in functioning, and not that this is not valuable, because I don't want to communicate that at all. What I'm saying is, though, is that if you're involved in ministry where you can pull the ripcord and get out, no one's depending on you, you might not get a phone call at midnight or 11 o'clock that's going to disrupt your life, 
an administrative ministry or, and again, that's still valuable ministry or, or you're on the board of another ministry or you're functioning to create and organize events. All of those things we control. All those things we, we have control over. When, when you choose to walk along in life with somebody, it creates an opportunity for God to throw the curveball, for it to disrupt your life, for you have to sacrifice to step out and to trust God in ways that you didn't predict or you couldn't predict, you, you didn't see. And in those times, God shows up in powerful, powerful ways. And we receive blessings that we will not receive as long as we stay in control of the areas of ministry we choose to be a part of. Does that make sense? So my challenge today is for all of us to look at our life and to, and to reevaluate. Is there room in my life to, for God to throw the curveball? Is there room in the ministries that he's called me to for God to throw the curveball? Or is everything in my life so structured and so ordered, even though it might be sacrificial, that really I'm still in control? Because the greater the opportunity for God to throw the curveball, the greater the opportunity for us to find ourselves in a position where we don't have the answers, we can't measure up, we don't know what's going to happen, the greater the opportunity for God to bless us and to show up and to bring us into a relationship with Him that is growing in our dependence on him. The story I want to use today to talk about this is when Jesus cleansed the ten lepers and only one returned. I was praying about scripture that might speak to our church on this. I just felt like God just really laid this on my heart. And it raised the question in my heart, Antley, have you led us to a place as a church where there's only one returning every time ten are healed? Every time people are healed in our church, what is our response to Jesus? Is it to turn back and to worship him with our life and obedience? Or is it to sit back and receive and to want more? Now you've said that the first year at River City Church, we want you to come in, be restored, to be healed, to become a part of our culture. But then after that, we also know, like John Wimber said, that if you, we're like milk. If we sit, we'll sour. If we sit, we'll sour. And so again, this morning is challenging ourselves. For those of us who have been sitting, those of us who have been receiving, are we contributing? Are we coming back in obedient worship to Jesus Christ like the one leper that did? And when I talk about worship today, it's not the singing and the dancing and the praising God with our lips that I'm talking about. I'm talking about Romans 12, 1. There's a verse that refers to what worship is. And it says that, this is Paul speaking, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And what that verse, what Paul's communicating is he says, when he, when he says to present your bodies, that Greek word there means your whole being, all of your life, completely who you are, every minute, every second of every day, present it to the Lord as a living, active Demonstration and act of worship. That's what worship is. You know, Louis Giglio says that at the end of every path, at the end of every life, there is a throne. And who sits there is your God. Or what sits there is your God. Paul is saying, who, how you live, who you serve, how you act, second to second, minute to minute, is a demonstration of who you worship. Of who you worship. 
And so again, it's getting us to believe this reality that there is not only great need in our sacrifice that God's calling us to is living, is our whole lives. He's calling our whole lives as a demonstration of worship to him. But there's also tremendous blessing as we're obedient. You see, what the enemy would want you to believe is this. Well, yeah, you gotta make this sacrifice. You're gonna make that sacrifice where you're gonna give up this. You're gonna leave that small group and you're not gonna have this comfort. You're not gonna have this fun. You're not gonna do this. If you're newly, if you're newly married, and I tell newlyweds, for the first year, don't be involved in any ministry. You need, your ministry is each other. But after that first year, you don't start to work in sacrifice and the blessing of being called into ministry, either apart or together. You'll never do it. You'll never do it. It's creating the culture within your marriage, within your single life, within your retired life, where you're continuing to act and to give your whole life to God as a spiritual act of worship. Here's the story of the lepers. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master. <laughs> I was going to do a, like a different voice there. And it came across like Kermit the Frog for a second. Or Yoda, one of the two. I don't know why I did that. I'm rusty. Show me some grace. All right. Who stood up at a distance and lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks to him. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? <clears throat> Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, to him, Rise and go your way. Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Better translation for that last verse I'm going to talk about is uh, rise and go your way. Your faith has saved you. Father, we pray that as we look at this scripture, uh, that you would, you know, that you would just silence the enemy. We know that. He wants to fill us with guilt, condemnation, and motivate us with shame. But like David said last week, Lord, we pray that we would take off that cloak of shame that he has placed on us for either being active in the, in the wrong way or for the wrong reasons, and that you would take off that cloak of shame right now, and that we would understand that this has nothing to do with our identity, that we are loved and that we are children belonging to a God that is unconditional in his desire to bless us and pour out his love on us. Just come, Holy Spirit, and lead us in this time now. In Jesus' name, amen. In this uh, text, we see something unique um, in how Jesus heals the lepers, first of all. You know, one of the things that I've learned as I've studied how Jesus heals in the Bible is that it's usually always in a very different way. Each time he does it differently. You know, sometimes he lays, puts mud on their eyes. Sometimes he spits and does this and that and the other. Sometimes, in another case, he touched the leper when he healed them. Um, and we said that, and what I've learned is that the reason that Jesus heals in a different way, I think there's two main reasons. One reason is that he doesn't want us to rely on a formula. Every time Jesus healed, you know, he spit on the ground, made mud, and rubbed that on the, that part of their body. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that because 
more than healing, Jesus wants us to learn to trust him, to love him, to hear from him, and to be led by him in our journey of bringing healing, transformation, and restoration to other people. It's, it, it's, it's the journey is with him and I, you know, with us and him, as much as it is the person that we're praying for. The second reason is, is that how Jesus heals, always, he's always teaching us something, usually having to do with his love for us. And so the way that Je- when Jesus touches a leper, he demonstrates compassion and love to someone who hadn't been touched. And he talks more about that in that verse. But in this case, we see that in this healing, we see Jesus teaching us and the lepers the importance of faith and obedience when it comes to receiving his blessing. And if I asked you, like, okay, how many people want to receive more of Jesus, want to receive more of his blessings in our life? We'd all raise our hand. None of us were like, oh, I'm filled up. I'm just fine. Thank you very much. I don't want any more of Jesus. I'm doing, just, I'm doing great. This is just awesome. No, we always, we want more of Jesus. We want to be more like Jesus. We want to experience more of his blessing. Yet some of us, I think, we've received his blessing or his healing in one manner, one way. And so we've, kind of, we've gotten stuck there. Like, oh yeah, I came down front and I hopped on my foot two times and then the Holy Spirit came like a dove and washed over me and I fell down. And so we, you come forward and you're like, you know, we're trying, to, we're trying to do it again. We're trying to do the same thing. And that's an exaggeration of what happens. But often we have that mentality that we want, because we want more than Jesus, and that's a good thing, we get stuck in these ruts of how and what that looks like in our life. What I'm gonna propose today for many of us, is that your next blessing, your next healing, your next opportunity to be transformed is going to come through sacrifice and service. That's what happens in this story with the leper. It wasn't until the lepers turned in obedience away from Jesus that they were healed. It wasn't until the lepers obediently turned away from Jesus that they were healed. Jesus desires for us to be obedient to him first, trusting that his love and the life that he has for us will always come, even when we don't see it, even when it looks like it's scary, even when it looks like, even at times, that it's not even moving us towards him. Are we willing to be obedient, trusting the healing, the cleansing, the love that we desire that he's created us for, will come to us as we're obedient to him. You know, Jesus tells, and this is a reflection of God's desire for all of us. Jesus tells them to go to the priest. He goes, okay, go, turn around, go to the priest. Now, on their way to the priest, and the reason for that, on their way to the priest, they're healed. The priest don't heal them, but what happens is, on the way to the priest, they're cleansed from their leprosy. The leprosy leaves, there's no more leprosy on their body, but... He tells them to go to the priest because only the priest can pronounce them cleansed. It's not until they see the priest that they're pronounced cleansed that they're able to then associate with the rest of the community. And what, again, what Jesus is showing us here is that his desire for us is to receive, is is for our whole life to be cleansed, our whole life to be restored, not just our physical bodies. Not, he doesn't want just physical healing for the lepers. He wants them to be healed physically, sure. But he also emotionally wants all of the wounds that they've received by being rejected, cast out, not being able to spend any time with their family, not being able to spend any time with their friends, not being able to spend any time with their children, not being able to participate 
and the rituals of the Jewish, Jewish feasts, not being able to be, you know, all of those sacrificial things that happen in the Jewish culture, they haven't been able to participate in that for, we don't know how long. But Jesus wants their whole body, their whole person to be restored. And he knows, and he knows that for that to happen, he can heal them physically, but for them to be fully made whole, they need to be returned to their culture where life is made. And so there's a, there's a strong case. A number of commentators think that not, the nine that didn't come back were all Jewish. And that the one that came back was the only one who wasn't. And there's some, you know, and I don't want to go into the religious and how if we're religiously mature, it makes it more difficult for us to turn to Jesus. That's a whole other sermon. But, um, but, but emphasizing this reality in our life that, uh, that God wants to bring us wholeness. He wants to heal all of our life. But we see this happen on the way. One of them, a Samaritan, again, a Samaritan back in the day was like an enemy to the Jews. They didn't associate with the Jews. Samaritans were made up, they're ba- basically they were called half-breeds back then because what happened is when the nation of Israel was conquered, um, the, 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 the tribes were spread out. They were conquered by the Assyrians, the Babylonians, you know, the different nations conquered Israel. What then happened is the women of Israel, God's chosen people, began to have babies with these other nations who were not Jews. And so they were having babies that were not like they weren't all Jewish. And so they were considered dirty and half-breeds. And like they were called all these names. And so Jews would not even associate with them. They're, if they touched them or with them, they were unclean. And they had to go get, again, they had to go be cleansed. And so, again, this is the picture that we get of the one that came back, the outcast, the foreigner is what Luke says. But anyway, one of them, a Samaritan, an enemy of the Jews, half-breed, came back. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God, with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. One of them cared more about being obedient and worshiping Jesus than he did being restored to his family. One of them cared more about worshiping Jesus than he did being restored to his children. One of them cared more about worshiping Jesus and thanking Jesus than he did anything else in his life. You know, many of us here, I would venture to say, if you've been here for a while, you've experienced Jesus' healing in your life, either emotionally, spiritually, or physically. Many of you have been restored back to your families as a result of God's ministry here, back to your children as a result of God's ministry here, and back to your spouse We've experienced cleansing from Jesus individually. What has been our response? Is it to want more of the same? Or has it been to forsake the comfort? Has it been to prioritize Jesus above all? Thanking him. Giving our life as a spiritual act of worship to him. As a result of his cleansing and healing and restoration he's brought us. And I get it, you know, we want more healing. That's a great thing. That's a desire that God's given us. We want more transformation in our life. Great, that's good. God's given us that desire. We want more of Jesus. Sure, who wouldn't? Good, great. That desire is from God. But I'm here to tell you, for many of you, that healing, transformation, experience of God's power in your life 
will not come until you offer your life as a living sacrifice to Jesus. It won't come. Not because Jesus needs you to be involved in these ministries, but because he finds great joy in being in ministry with you. He finds, I mean, there, is sacri- there are things that happen when we sacrifice our life Lay down our desires for Christ that he gets excited about. That is what faith looks like. And God loves faith. You know, and you've heard me say, you know, John Wimber's saying, you know, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. It's risky. Puts us in a position where God has to show up. So I'm saying, that's a prophetic word. Uh Uh-oh. And we see this happen with the leper. We see this as he turns back away from his family, his comfort, his friends, the things that the other nine went to. It says he shouts with a loud voice. He shouts with a loud voice in excitement and comes back to Jesus. And we pick it up at the story here. Then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed? And again, that word cleansed here uh, means to make clean from leprosy. A, it's like a, um, what did, well, just, we'll leave it at that. It means to get rid of the disease. It means to get rid of the disease so that legally you're able to re-engage in culture. Okay, so it's a very physical thing, resulting in a very physical manifestation of being back with your family in the culture of the Jewish nation. Okay? And Jesus says, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise, go on your way, your faith has made you well. Or again, a better translation is, your faith has saved you. Now, the second word for being, your, your faith has made you well. It's a different word than being cleansed or made well from leprosy. The word here is a word, a, 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 it's a real popular word, especially in the charismatic church. It's called sozo. And it means to rescue, it means to save, but it means more than that. It means to save the whole person. And it means to, it, it means to experience God's transformation through the work of his spirit in a way that restores all of our life. And for the Jewish people, it would be equivalent to shalom or peace. When they talk about shalom or peace in the Jewish culture, it was, it, was, it was meaning that there was all of your life would be well. All of your life, you'd have rest, that you would have peace. And again, so this word kind of takes that word into the New Testament and makes it for all of us who follow and know Jesus, that the promise of Christ is to bring sozo to our life, a complete restoration and transformation. You've heard me talk about this physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And so basically what we see happening, you see, you're, you're getting the picture now, is we have this one, nine, ten of them go away, right? Ten of them are cleansed physically, okay? So-so, no, physically only. Physically only. One of them, as a result of his obedience and worship, comes back to Jesus and receives so-so. All of his life is now on the track and the journey of being made whole. Again, you can't infer that, that, he, was, he became a Christian at this point. But the word that Jesus uses here 
implies that he saw something in his heart that would lead him to salvation. And that's what's happening here. Jesus says, rise, your faith, your obedience, your worship to me will lead you to a life of being made completely whole, being made completely restored. Shalom will occur in your heart and in your life as a result of your spiritual act of coming back to me. And again, like Laura, I was talking to my wife about this. She's like, Antley, he didn't come back and sign up for the children's ministry. How, how, what, are you, what are you doing here? What are you, that's just like, you're missing it. No, I'm not. Basically, what I'm, the parallel, what I'm trying to draw the distinction is, is that there is a healing, there is a transformation, there is a completeness that comes in our obedience and in our worship to Jesus Christ. In our sacrifice to Christ, there's something that can occur that will not occur if we settle for just the, feel, the physical feeling or the physical healing or the experience we come, we, we come down, we experience something down here with God. We come down for ministry and we receive something. Many of us have, have had that happen. And we love that. Oh, great, I was healed. I was relieved. I, I was released. I was made free today. I received this great freedom. But that's where it ends for many of us. Where God desires to bring us requires sacrifice. Requires us coming back to him. Bowing before him and saying, Jesus, all of my life is a living act of worship to you. Show me, direct me where you want me to go. And in doing so, God blesses us and in a way that brings wholeness and a complete healing to our life where there is salvation. Now what I'm not saying is this. When you do not obey Jesus, you lose your salvation. <laughs> What I'm not saying is that when you, when you don't turn back to Jesus right away, or you don't do whatever, that God doesn't love you. Remember what David talked about last week? This is not talking about our identity. I'm talking about becoming who God created us to be, receiving the blessings that God has for us, receiving more of what we've already experienced a little of, just like the leper. It doesn't affect how God loves you. It doesn't affect... God's desire that he's pleased with you. He loves you just as you are. This is not talking about your identity. It's Jesus inviting us into an opportunity to experience more of his healing in our life, more of his life in us, complete transformation, complete restoration in our life. And what I'm saying is that when we choose not to do that, when we choose to, to continue to sit to not engage in the life of the church and to serve in the places where we have need, where we have great need, not only do we not receive sozo, but others don't receive healing. Because we are, the we are the vehicle for transformation that will occur in the life of our children, the life of our youth at River City Church. And again, I'm not trying to motivate you with guilt. I'm not trying to make you feel condemned. I'm inviting you into an opportunity to be blessed, to experience more of God's life. I'm gonna show a video now. We showed the youth ministry of the children's ministry. And in this video at the end, there's a volunteer worker and she talks about the blessing that it is every week as she experiences God's love. She says that every week I experience God. It's not usually until the afternoon that he recalls something 
that bring me to my knees, that brings me to my knees. So watch this video and we'll wrap things up after that. River City Kids covers from nursery zero all the way through fifth grade, and it's um, broken by ages, and each space really is designated ministry. It's it's not just a place where you come and drop your kids so that um, adults can go to church on Sunday, that there's something really intentional that happens in each one of these spaces. And nursery you know babies are in there to be prayed over and loved on and cared for and and to learn that it's okay you can be away from moms and and dads and they're safe places to go and that continues in twos and in in three-year-olds you know the very beginnings of what's it like to hear a story about Jesus in pre-K and kindergarten, the experience gets bigger, the experience gets fuller because children are older and those stories become more alive and you can act them out and and begin to put the truth of that, the truth of those messages that God loves me, that that Jesus came for me. Kids school is where you have fun learning about God and you and you play over people to make sure they feel better and stuff. There's a really nice teacher, and uh, it's really fun, and we do lots of games. Kids Crew is first through fifth grade. It's amazing. It's very high energy. It's it's loud. It's um, it's noisy, um, but it's really fun and it's really real. You come in and there's there's a small group time and it's you know a time to hang with kids that are your own age and you you have a leader and um, and it's great if that leader is the same person. So the beginnings of developing relationships with adults that we can see becomes a foundational framework of building a relationship with a God that we can't see. We have to intentionally provide experiences for God to really show up, to know that this God is real. And we can do that in in story. We can do that the end of worship. We do two fun, crazy songs, and then we do a sing-over song. They lay down on the floor, and, you know, we say we get really quiet, and we have this thing called the Holy Spirit, and it's God's power, and He talks to us, and we get the opportunity to receive that gift. Leading worship for these kids, it's just as engaging. It's the same Holy Spirit. It's the same God, and kids are worshiping with the same amount of longing for God. They, they want God just as much. We get to dance and worship and stuff. One of my favorite things to do in Kids Crew is um, learn about Jesus. My favorite thing about Kids Crew is the hugs. This the hugs. There you go. That's a good one. Yeah. Sometime during the class, every time I'm there, God does something that usually I get to think about later in the afternoon that usually brings me to my knees. Um, to just show me that he's there and that he's working in the lives of the leaders and of the children and that we're growing up together in the Lord. So often we talk about adults and how important it is that they experience God and and there are huge transformational moments in adulthood and we have an opportunity for those moments to start early in the life of a child. 
Okay, maybe I am motivating you a little bit. Our uh, media department, Kevin and his team, did a phenomenal job with those two video spotlights, and you'll be seeing more of those. Those will be, um, we'll start giving those out in our visitor packets as they come. They'll have snapshots of all the ministries like that, and so... But uh, those two ministries we're highlighting this week, obviously, because we have a tremendous need. It's a very real need. You know, and right now what's happening is that there are very few people in the church carrying the burden of, of all of us. There are very few people who are regularly committed, you know, on a Sunday that are carrying the burden of our children. And I just want to invite you into this reality, this opportunity to, to get plugged in. You know, we have amazing people in positions to lead us in these areas. We have amazing ministries happen, happening in these positions that you can be a part of where you can experience God's power, God's love, and God's life. And I know, I mean, I just tell you that right now, you know, with Alex, he has two volunteers, 85 kids. Two. You know, and I have, I have two boys in that ministry they are the most important things to me, way more important to me than you. And I was in ministry long enough to know this reality that I can't do it by myself. I can't raise my children the way I need to raise them without another adult or multiple adults in their life speaking truth and loving them for them to become who God's created them to be. I grew up in church my whole life, and it wasn't until someone, an adult, engaged me came to where I was, loved me where I was, and began to walk with me through life. I'm still friends with them to this day. They say the most powerful factor in the transformation of a young life is an adult walking alongside of them, loving them, meeting them where they are. He has no girl volunteers and two men. We have small groups ready to go you just walk into them, an hour small group a week, prepping for that. Alex will give you all the material. And our philosophy is small groups have very little to do with the content, has much more to do with the person just showing up, listening to them, and loving them right where they are, allowing the Spirit to work in and through their life. Does nobody, does no one have an extra hour this week? We have a tremendous need that God's placing before us this morning for you to meet. And in our children's ministries, again, we need men. We need men to sign up for our children's ministries. You know who passes along? I'm reading this phenomenal book right now called Fathered by God, allowing God to father us in a way that we can't do ourselves or that we can't do as fathers. And, and, and it talks about the stages that a young boy goes through. You know, being a boy, a beloved child, a cowboy, and then a warrior, and after being a warrior, they're a king, then they're a lover, then they're a sage. These, these phases that we go through as boys. And you know who communicates those phases? The only person that communicates those and allow boys to grow up that way are other men. Women can't do it. Right now, our children's ministry, we're so thankful. We have tons of women involved there. Very few men. I have a boy in that ministry that I cannot raise by myself. That there are things that he will not get from me, that he needs to get from another man and, or young man in this group and this, this morning. I can't do it. I wasn't built, I wasn't designed to give everything to my son. He's called us into a community together to bring this together, to raise our children together. And I'm not going to say it takes a village, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
And young girls are the same. You know, Amy is designed, she's broken everything up into four-month chunks. She's flexible on who and how and what it looks like for you to get involved there. I encourage, if you're not signed up in the children's ministry this morning, to at least sign up for one Sunday a month for the next four months. Just one Sunday. And just see what God begins to do in your life. If, if what I'm saying is true about the blessing that comes when we sacrifice, you're going to experience God's blessing. Take me up on it. Take the risk. Sign up for one Sunday and see what God does for the next four months. Four times in the next four months. And now, now Amy's put together lead teachers that are in the lives of our kids every week. Every week. They're committed for the next four months. But we need workers. We're looking for people who, will, who literally, while they're holding our babies and rocking them, are going to be praying for generational curses to be broken, be praying for healing and restoration to be dealt with through the power of the Holy Spirit. That we're just not, we're not babysitting. In any of these ministries, there's an intentional focus of growth and design that God's called us into to raise up our children. And if you're a high schooler, man, we'd love for you to volunteer in these ministries. If you're a college student, why not? Well, I just haven't had kids yet. I don't have kids yet. Well, you don't have to have kids. You're talking about a great way, you know, birth control. This is it. <laughs> Come and sign up to rock babies, to hold babies, crying babies. I mean, the, the, we're talking about our own family here. Our own family. You know, God is doing amazing things at River City Church. And I feel like that this is one of the untapped resources for us. That there are testimonies waiting to be told about the work of what God's doing in our children's and our youth ministries. It's like, it's, it's bursting almost. But it begins with you sacrificing, stepping out. Wanting more of Jesus' love, healing, and transformation in your life. And so again, man, if you are somebody who isn't involved with one of those ministries, I hope that there would be a really good reason why. Because these ministries are not only in great need for your involvement, but God is in great need of telling his story through you bringing healing and transformation through you in the life of our youth, but also in your life that will come in sacrificial worship, offering all of our life to him.